New Testament passage begins in Colossians chapter 1 today. Now, the city of Colossae was in what was then called Asia. It was part of the seven churches of Asia. It was not too far north of Ephesus. It was a, a great church that would have been part of very well the experience of both Paul and Timothy, Timothy who pastored the great church of Ephesus. So chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, we, we've talked about this a lot. An apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, not by the will of man. And Timothy, our brother. So this would be a joint epistle. Joint writing. He said, this, this is from both of us now. The pastor of the church of Ephesus and me. To the saints and faithful brothers. Now, look, this is how Paul addresses the believers. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. All right, so here's another in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God. Now notice the phrase, always. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. All right, so this is pastoral prayer. Now, brothers and sisters, you, you need to get a hold of this, whether you're a connect group leader, whether you're a CS, an ECS, a fellowship executive, a district pastor, a campus pastor, whether you're a pastor of another church listening to us. Whoever God has given you responsibility over and accountability over, you need to be praying for those people. Now, pastoral prayer is one thing, but then notice the thankfulness in prayer. Paul never felt hostile or resentful or bitter toward the people of God. He said, when I pray for you, I always thank God. It, there was no animosity or bitterness or resentment in Paul's heart. And too often I meet young pastors and you've been around some pimples in the body of Christ, those blemishes on the love feasts, and your feelings have been hurt. And you know what? I got news for you. I learned from my grandfather when he was 70 plus years old. I listened to him preach and I said, Grandpa, does it ever get any easier? And he said, no, Davy. You're always going to have problem people. But you know what? You pray for the people, and you always thank God for the people. He said, we've always, we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now notice the, the trinity of virtues here, all right? We have faith, we have love, and we have hope that are all laid up together. So, this, this is a, a set of virtues that Paul often puts together in writings. Faith, hope, and love. He said, now listen, that love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. There are many Christians because they have no revelation of heaven. That's part of the problems with their attitudes for the rest of the believers. When you understand that we're going to have an eternity in heaven, attitudes change. He said, of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So, all right, the word of truth is the gospel. Now, verse 6, which has come to you. All right, so the gospel has come to you, as indeed in the whole world. It, the gospel, is bearing fruit and growing, and growing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, Notice, the gospel, doesn't matter what's going on, the gospel bears fruit and grows. 
among you, that would be a local church, and in the whole world, that would be the world church. So the gospel is growing and bearing fruit on a local level as well as on a world level. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, all right? So what causes the gospel to begin to grow? You hear it, that's one requirement, and the second is you understand it. But notice the truth here. You understand the grace of God, not the law. You understand the grace of God in truth. Understanding, knowing and understanding the grace of God and truth is what releases the fruit and the growth of the gospel on a local level as well as on a world scale. Just as you learned it from Apophis, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So when these preachers got together, Paul said, you know, would you look at Apophis? You're, he said, our, our, our beloved fellow servant. He said, there, there was no competitiveness between them. He said, he's a faithful minister. And he said, you know what? what? When we talk, we talk about the members. And what we say about the members is, he made known to us your love in the spirit. They didn't sit around and talk bad things about the church members. They said, he made known to us your love in the spirit. So from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you. All right, here's more pastoral prayer. Asking that you may be, number one, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of the Lord. He said, all right. When you get filled with the knowledge of his will, then there's four fruits. One, two, three, four. These are the four fruits of filled with the knowledge of his will. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing there. We could preach on that forever. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In other words, you live your life in a way that brings honor to God fully pleasing to him. I like that. Not just once in a while, fully pleasing him. Bearing fruit in every good work. When you are filled with the knowledge of his will, you bear fruit in every good work. You are not a fruitless Christian. Increasing in the knowledge of God. When you are filled with the knowledge of his will, you are increasing in your knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power. Now here's another prayer request. According to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. All right? So, second big prayer request. First big prayer request was filled with the knowledge of his will. So let's highlight these prayer requests. Filled with the knowledge of his will. First prayer request. Second prayer request. Be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might. And the purpose of that, or the fruit of that, is threefold. Endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. <laughs> you have been, you are qualified. Now notice, qualified to share in the inheritance. We are joint heirs with Jesus.
I love that. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. Authority structures changed. The authority structure changed in our life. Delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son. I was sitting down with a, a young foreigner one day who came to the Philippines. And he was doing something. I said, you know, you shouldn't do that here. He said, why? I said, because in this country that would be illegal. And he said, well, it doesn't matter. I'm an American. I said, you know what? You need to get over that. In America, you be an American. Here, you obey our laws. It's a different kingdom. It's a different authority structure. Now, in Satan's authority structure, there was a set of rules. In God's authority structure, there's a whole different way of doing things. His beloved Son, in whom, okay, here's more, in Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now we begin to look at Jesus. He, let me pull this up a little higher if I can get it to go. There we go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. All right. So what do we see about Jesus? He is the physical representation of God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All right, so notice the words, by him all things were created, and it involves physical creation, it involves angels, it involves demons, all things were created by him, through him, and for him. Jesus is creator. Now, when you look at creation, you go, no, we only see the Father and we only see the Holy Spirit. But the Word was there. You, you must understand there's a lot of things we're not going to get until we get to heaven. But if you were to ask within the Trinity, who did what? Well, the Father spoke the Word. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. But Jesus did the actual work of creation. By him, through him, and for him. He is before all things. <laughs> he is before all things. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is before creation. And in him, there's another in Christ, in him, all things hold together. Now, scientists sit around and pontificate about what causes the parts of an atom to hold together. I can tell you, Jesus. People can sit around and pontificate about how gravity holds the universe together. Jesus holds all things together. In him, all things hold together. Now, I think we can take this even a step farther. 
In him, a marriage holds together. Ah, in him, a local church holds together. Ah, in him, friendship relationships hold together. But when people start moving out of in him, things don't hold together. But that, that's just something to think about. And he is the head of the body, the church. All right, so he's creator, he's eternal, he's the physical representation of God, he's the firstborn, he's the head of the body. And in my Bible, I've got this big long list on this page of all the things that Jesus is. So he's the head of the body of the church, he's the beginning, he's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is the purpose, okay? The reason Jesus is all of that is that he would be preeminent in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So when you think of Jesus, fully man, fully God, all the fullness of God dwelled within Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself, through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of the cross. Ah, this is how peace was made. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, all right? And you who were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Another translation says hostile in mind because of the deeds that you did. Now, there's something I want you to see here. People are hostile in their mind toward God because they want their sin. They want to do things that they know are wrong. And because they're doing wrong things, they're hostile in their mind. Now, the same thing is true. Some of you need to realize when your children are really mad at you, you need to be looking around, what have they been into? Oh. When a husband is really hostile in his mind toward his wife, what has he been into? When a wife is really hostile in her mind toward her husband, what has she been into? When an employee that you have working for you is really hostile in their mind toward you, that they, they, every thought they think is hostility toward you, Look around, you're going to find that they've been doing some things that are really, really wrong in your company. Hostility of mind and evil deeds, hand in glove. He is now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death, in order, purpose, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I love that. Another translation says, presents you holy, blameless, and without accusation before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, okay, there's a big if there. Okay, if you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. All right, so Paul says, I am a minister of the gospel. That's, that's what I am a minister of. He said, now, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And he said, listen, you can't shift from this hope of the gospel. You don't shift from the hope of the gospel. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. 
Testament passage today begins in Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning with verse 31. And you, O generation, behold the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel? Or a land of thick darkness? In other words, have I been unpleasant? He said, has it been an unpleasant experience for you to be around me? He said, then why? Then do my people say, we are free, we will come to you no more. Now, have you ever been really good to somebody and you thought you'd shown great favor to them and helped them and then all of a sudden they walk away from you and say, we're free! Now, every one of you has ever been a team leader or a boss or whatever, you, you've been through this. Or sometimes your own children. Now, multiply that by infinity and you feel the heart of God. God said, I was good to you. Well, has it been so unpleasant? Has it been like a have I been like a wilderness to you? Very unpleasant. Have have I been like a land of thick darkness? Have I been so unpleasant to be around that you consider it freedom to be away from me? This, this is how Israel treated God. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Wow. 
forgetting God, just never a thought, no thoughts. How well you direct your course to seek love, so that even to wicked women you have taught your ways. Now, this whole passage is about to sound a little unpleasant to the ears, all right? But literally, and another translation puts it this way, you are so good at your sexual immorality and adultery that you could even teach prostitutes. Now that, that's pretty nasty, all right? When a person is so, so good at their sexual immorality that they could teach a prostitute. Now remember, prostitution here, adultery here, refers to idolatry, okay? Also on your skirts is found the lifeblood of the guiltless poor, yet you did not find them breaking in. Yet in spite of all these things, you say, I'm innocent. Surely his anger has turned from me. Behold, I will bring you to judgment for saying, I have not sinned. Do you know how many people have looked at me and said, I have not sinned. And excuse me, are they that blind? And God said, I will bring you to judgment for saying, I have not sinned. Even the Apostle John said, we've all sinned, okay? How much more, how much you go about changing your way? You will be put to shame by Egypt as you were put to shame by Assyria. For it too will come away with your hands and your heads, for the Lord has rejected those in whom you trust, and you will not prosper from them. Now again, they were looking to other nations, to prosper. Chapter 3, verse 1. If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Would not that land be greatly polluted? He said, listen, it's just not natural for a man to let another man be sleeping with his wife and then take his wife back. He said, that would, that would pollute the land. Now, here's a truth you need to get a hold of. All this sleeping around and all this sexual immorality is far more polluting to the nation of the Philippines than the Pasig River. You need to understand the spiritual pollution is more destructive than the physical pollution. No, we should not pollute the Pasig River. Do not misinterpret me. But you must understand spiritual pollution is even more destructive. He said, you have played the whore with many lovers. And you would, and would you return to me, declares the Lord? You, you want to go off with all these other demon idols and then you, you want to come back to me? Yuck. He said, lift up your eyes to the bare heights and see. Where have you not been ravished? He said, look at the sides of the mountains. You, you, you offered your, your demon worship in all of these places. By the waysides, you have sat awaiting lovers like an Arab in the wilderness. He said, yeah, would you look at you? He said, you're always looking for a new opportunity of demonic worship. You have polluted the land with your vile whoredom. And again, that refers to idols. And again, the idea of polluted. So notice we see pollution. We see pollution again. He said, now, therefore, the showers have been withheld. The spring rain has not come. Yet you have the forehead of a whore. You refuse to be ashamed. You know, a prostitute, forgive me, 
they, they have a thick face, all right? I mean, they walk through a place and everybody knows what they are and they still hold their heads up high. He said, you, you, you have no shame. He said, you have no shame for all that you've done. Have you not just now called to me, my father? You are the friend of my youth. Will he be angry forever? Will he be indignant to the end? Behold, you have spoken, but you have done all the evil that you could. All right, so he said, here's your talk, and here's your walk. He said, I, I don't get the talk that doesn't match the walk. The Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, have you seen what she did, that faithless one, Israel? How she went up on every high hill and under every green tree, and there she played the whore. Again, this is referring to idols. He said, you know, th this is what the people of Israel did. They, they offered their demonic sacrifices on every high hill and under every green tree. And I thought, after she has done all this, she will return to me. But she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Now notice, we have Israel, which is the ten tribes. We have Judah, which is the two tribes. Now remember all that reading we did back in Kings and Chronicles, where the people, the ten tribes went farther and farther away from God, and then they got carried away into exile, and God said, why didn't Judah stop? But they continued in their sins, and they also went into exile. He said, why didn't you learn from each other? He said, she saw that for all the adulteries of that faithless one Israel, I sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet, her treacherous sister Judah did not fear. She too went and played the whore. She too also went into idolatry. So idols. Now, I want you to notice you need to learn from negative lessons. When you see the judgment of God come upon something that's been done wrong, you know, you need to take warning and step back, okay? Don't, you, sometimes you learn from positive things you see, and sometimes you learn from negative things you see. Because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land, so here we see pollution again, committing adultery with every stone and tree. Now, this is, this is what idols were made of, stones and trees. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with her whole heart, but in pretense. All right. Repentance requires whole heart. Anything less is pretense. Have you ever seen a man pretend repentance with his wife? I have. Now, please remember, I can never use a real illustration. I think I've done that once or twice in my life, and people know what I was talking about. All of my illustrations, I camouflage, so nobody will know who they are. But I have sat with men when they apologize to their wives for their adultery and to their daughters and sons. And after we finished the family meeting and, and he left with me, he looked at me and said, well, he said, I think I did a good job of that. I said, what do you mean you did a good job? He said, I pulled that off. I, I, th I, think I, I think I presented myself well. I said, this isn't about presentation. This isn't about acting. This was about opening your heart to your family. I said, do you think that your wife doesn't understand when your heart is open or closed? 
Do you think your sons and daughters don't understand the difference between words and an open heart? You know what? The guy never did change. Okay, He, he never did change. See, repentance is not about pretense. It's not about crocodile tears and everything else. It's about real change. It takes the whole heart. And the Lord said to me, Faithless Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Wow. He said, you know, the one I've sent into exile for judgment, uh, they did better than Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look upon you in anger, for I am merciful. I will not be angry forever. Now here's, here, here's, here's the heart of God. Only acknowledge your guilt that you have rebelled against the Lord and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree and have not obeyed my voice. Now, I want you to notice the heart of God. God says, you've been faithless, but I'll be faithful. I won't look upon you in anger. I'll be merciful. I won't be angry forever. But he says, only acknowledge your guilt. Acknowledge your rebellion. Acknowledge your actions. Okay, so acknowledge your guilt, your rebellion, and your actions. And that you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless Israel, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. He said, now, if you'll repent, he said, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, here's true pastors. True pastors are a gift, True pastors have God's heart. True pastors feed you. They do not entertain you. They do not talk politics to you. They feed you with knowledge and understanding. He said, when you have multiplied and increased in the land in those days, declares the Lord, they shall no more say the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. <laughs> you will never need another Ark of the Covenant. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord. Ah, now we're talking about the future. And this is beautiful. Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall gather to it, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. Now we're referring to MR, the millennial reign. You see in my Bibles, when you see an MR, that's the millennial reign. All the nations will come to Jerusalem to worship and bring gifts to Jesus. They gather to it, which is Jerusalem, and they gather to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. The specific presence of God manifested in Jerusalem during the millennium. In those days, the house of Judah shall join the house of Israel, and together they shall come from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers as a heritage. All right? So this is, this is Russia. This is Eastern Europe. This is Western Europe. Okay, this is, and this is what's happening right now. We call it, they make Aliyah. Okay, they, they return to the land. The Jews call it making Aliyah. 
And this is beginning to happen now. In those days, in those days, Israel and Judah are joining together. This is happening today. I said, how I would set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land, a heritage, most beautiful of all nations. And I thought you would call me father and would not return and would not turn from following me. God said, you know, with all the good things I did for you, I, I thought you'd hang around. <laughs> Surely as a treacherous wife leaves her husband, so you have been treacherous to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. A voice on the bare heights is heard, the weeping and pleading of Israel's sons because they have perverted their way and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, O faithless sons, and I will heal your faith, faithlessness. Behold, we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly the hills are delusion, the orgies on the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. But from our youth the shameful thing has devoured all for which our fathers labored, their flocks and herds, their sons and their daughters. Let us lie down in our shame and let our dishonor cover us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers from our youth even to this day. We have not obeyed the voice of our God. Chapter 4, verse 1. If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. To God. So repentance and return is to God. If you return, declares the Lord, to me you should return, not, not to the religion of Judaism, not to the synagogue, not even to the temple. God said, to me. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives in truth, in justice, and in righteousness, then nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Wow. Fallow ground means planted land, now dormant. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts. How many times does Paul teach us that circumcision is not physical? It is a spiritual thing. Remove the foreskin of your hearts. None of these truths that Paul teaches is a new revelation. It's all there here in the Old Testament. O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, Blow the trumpet through the land and cry aloud, Assemble! Let us go into the fortified cities. Raise a standard toward Zion. Flee for safety. Stay not. For I bring disaster from the north and great destruction. A lion has gone up from his thicket. A destroyer of nations has set out. He has gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be ruins without inhabitants. For this put on sackcloth and lament and wail. For the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. In that day, declares the Lord, courage shall fail both kings, officials. The priests shall be appalled and the prophets astounded. 
Now, brothers and sisters, make your land a waste. Now, I want you to notice earlier, God said, I will make your land a pleasant land, a heritage most beautiful of all nations. But instead, the land was made a waste. When Israel returned after World War II to the land, the Belfort Agreements and Israel was made a nation in a day. Folks, when you look at the pictures of what the land of Israel looked like then, it was a waste. It was a waste. The trees had been cut down. The ecosystem had completely changed because of the, the, the forest had been removed and destroyed all through the generations. Great areas of the land were swamps. And the people of Israel, with God's help, have drained the swamps, have begun to rebuild the land. And when you go with us to Israel, you'll begin to see this prophecy of the last days coming true. A heritage most beautiful of all nations. You stand there on the shores of one of the most beautiful coastlines in the world. You go into the interiors with lush fields growing with all kinds of fruits and vegetation. And, and, and I mean, everything from... My goodness, you know, I couldn't believe it the first time I saw bananas in Israel. They're not just oranges and lemons and cantaloupes and things and watermelons, but bananas, huge fields of bananas, especially around the Galilee. It is a pleasant land, a heritage most beautiful among nations. All right, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Morning devotions start 545 with our first of the three Daniels prayer during the day. Devotions will come right after that at 6 o'clock. We'll see you then.